Doing well, man. I'm doing well. I think my computer's operating a little smoother than yours tonight. So yeah, don't good. rub it in, bro. Don't rub it in. <laughs> hey, we're, we're talking about the money guys now, right? We're talking about the guys that get paid to sack the quarterback. It's now the glamour position. Used to be middle linebacker. Used to be corner. Now it's the edge, what they call the edge. The defensive ends, outside linebackers if you're a third, three, four guy. But the guys who you know, really, really put pressure on the quarterback. They, these are premium guys. These are big money guys when they get to their second contract. And you got you got a really interesting group when I looked at it, and I want to talk to you about some of these. So let's get going. Give me your number one edge guy in this year's draft. Yeah, my, my number one edge prospect, and that's the key word, prospect, is going to be a Greg Rousseau out of the University of Miami. He's 6'0", 6'5", 266, I mean, 34 and 3-inch arms. We talk about that a lot. 83 and a quarter-inch wingspan. I mean, that's not even prototype. That's just unique, unique size and length for that position. Um, You know, we'll get to his pro day in a little bit, but the interesting thing about Greg is, I mean, this guy was a uh, redshirt freshman playing his one year of college football. He was a COVID opt-out, so didn't. You know, traditionally in, in uh, you know, for, for some of our fans, knowing that you need to uh, play two years of college football uh, and have that redshirt year to be eligible for the draft. So really as a junior is the earliest you can enter the draft, if you take with, which equates to three years of football. So um, because of the redshirt year, because of the COVID opt-out, um, he's really only played one year of college football. And, you know, the thing about Greg that, you know, it's just really one word, it's radius. He's got pass rush radius. He's got tackling radius. He's got pursuit radius. You know, this is a real long body that's slippery that actually had, you know, a lot of production. And he had tremendous production for a redshirt freshman. He had 19 and a half tackles for a loss, 15 and a half sacks. And a lot of that production came rushing on the inside. I mean, he was deployed up and down the line at Miami. And that's what really, you know, is intriguing about him, you know, because I thought he had a lot of natural balance and strength, some underrated strength. Um, and he was slippery. He could work through contact. You know, you saw in that Duke game, he really overwhelmed with his size and length, you know, both in the run game and in the pass game. And I just think, you know, w- w- with what he offers, you know, we're talking about a guy that's played one year of college football. His pro day, you wouldn't say compared to the other rushers was elite, still ran a four six nine, you know, at six, six and a half, 266 pounds, which is really high end when you think about it. You know, the the, the 10 time was impressive, 157. I mean, that's high end. That shows the get off. He may not be the highest end athlete, but that of athleticism with his size and length. I mean, that, that to me, Jeff, and you as a former defensive coordinator, I mean, that's a that, that, that's an interesting skill set. That's that's teams are going to be looking at that and they're going to say, what can we get with this guy and what is his upside? And this is kind of where I prefaced it with him. I think he has a floor of Carlos Dunlap which is an eight, nine sack guy in the league. I think he has a ceiling of we don't know what, you know, I hate to, I hate to use some hall of fame type names, so I won't, but he has that type of ability. If he can put it all together, you know, he's got to grow with his hands. He's got to have some more nuance playing on the edge. You know, I thought a lot of his production came from length from being able to win some, some battles on the inside when he was used. I mean, Miami used him in their as a, as a zero tech in their 30 front and he had a lot of production. So I think, you know, a guy that can literally line up up and down the line with his best football years ahead of him um, is my number one guy right now. You know, that's the prospect. That's the upside part of it. 
Yeah. And, and you know what, Spencer, I think that's really a fair evaluation and a good evaluation, thorough evaluation. The thing that to me, you know, first of all, I don't like COVID opt-outs. I'll just, I'm just going to say, I understand it's a business, right? I understand these guys are being told, you know, you're not supposed to have an agent. I'm sure he's had an agent off the record for, you know, since he was a freshman, because this is a guy that's, a, I mean, they don't come along like this very much, very often physically, right? I agree with you about his ability to play inside. And, you know, when you talk about strength, you look at that picture, Mike, can you put that picture back up of him? When you look at him, that's not a mature body right there. Absolutely. He looks like a, it looks like a high school kid's body. All right. Now, when he gets stronger, right, then he has potential. I, I agree with that. I think this guy has an unbelievable ceiling. When you watch him play, when I watched him play, Spence, I didn't see, and you used the term nuance, I didn't see any nuance to his game. It was just the biggest, fastest, strongest guy out there just manhandling people. And he, he made plays because of that length, because of that radius that you talk about. What's, ex- what's interesting to me is, and this is, this is where it's always, this is the, you know, the $64,000 question or whatever, $64 million question with these guys, but what's he going to do? How driven is he going to be when he has millions of dollars in his pocket, right? That's the question that is going to be hardest to answer and even, I think, harder now with this COVID situation where you don't get time with these guys face-to-face. If he opted out, is that an indi- indication of does he really love football? I mean, is he wanna, is he going to do the work to get to that ceiling or is he going to be satisfied to be a six to six? Because I would put his floor at six sacks, right? Because, again, if you're talking about Carlos Dunlap, you're talking about, you know, that's a pretty doggone foot, good football player, right, as your floor. But I think he's a six-sack floor. But, again, I agree with you. He could be a 16-sack ceiling if he's mature enough and tough enough and wants to do the work enough to get there. That's the question to me that you got to answer with this guy. Could, couldn't couldn't agree with you more, Jeff, to be honest. And I know we don't say that often, but – uh, really what it comes down to, and, and this is kind of the interesting thing about being an outsider in the draft analyst world, is you need that, that the film is only going to tell you so much. And especially like we are talking about prospects. And if we're looking for what they produce at tape at the NCAA level and think that's going to just translate into the NFL, it's not. There's going to be a massive amount of growth and upside no matter what the prospect and I think especially when you're talking about a, 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 a kid born in the year 2000 that's played 12 games of college football and had that type of production off, like you said, sheer raw physical traits, what and, – and this is the question that the coaches, the scouts, the GMs, the sports psychologists, I mean the litany of support staff that get armed are going to be asking and have probably asked Greg Rousseau, are you willing to, to kind of take that journey – you know, because it's not going to be easy, but like we're going to that what that's what's going to warrant him being taken as a first round pick for sure. I yeah. agree. And, and I think with what happened at Tennessee last year with Isaiah Stanley, Isaiah Stanley has really, really made you think about guys like this because he was that kind of guy. Right. 
It's yeah, you're right. I mean, Isaiah Wilson was a redshirt soft. Wilson, I'm sorry. He was a redshirt soft at Georgia, and he, you know what? You're right. Like he, you know, he's playing next to a, another first round pick on the left side, and Andrew Thomas, and um, you know, kind of rode that upside train. And I agree. You know, that's that's kind of the, that's the other side of it when you see the he had raw power and size and. Um, it's it's interesting, and and it kind of gave me thought going through this group as well as we get into a couple more guys in the top five. Yep. All right, let's go to number two. Joey, yeah. go hang in there, Joey. We'll get to we'll get to your question. Uh, number two is going to be uh, for me, you know, and maybe not a consensus one. If you pulled the uh, you know the the universal draft analyst is going to be a Joe uh, Tryon out of the University of Washington. Joe's a 6050-259. He's got 34-inch arms, 82 and the three-quarters wing. So another high percentile type uh, physical stature. Um, he was a redshirt sophomore, you know, technically a redshirt junior with this COVID opt-out. He was another COVID opt-out. And, you know, for me, what really stood out, you know, as I watched Joe is I, among the top five, Joe is not the best athlete. You know, he's not the most – he doesn't have the most explosiveness. He doesn't have the most range, but the 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 thing that stands the versatility and the variety in his skill set really made me appreciate kind of what he could do in the NFL. You know, I thought he was a really active rusher that rushed from various alignments, all the way from a wide nine and a stand up to you watch the Washington State game where they were predominantly a thirty front team. He was playing from a four eye technique. And I thought he had the lateral quickness, you know, to cross face. He can work speed to power outside. You know, he's not an elite finisher. You know, he has a little bit of ankle stiffness. So at the top of his rush, you know, he's not going to be able to really, like some of these other guys, bend and flatten, as we like to say, and turn the corner. But his length really helped him finish. And in the run game, listen, this guy can set the edge. You know, he's violent and has an ability to shed and locate. You watch the Oregon game, him competing against Panay Sewell. That sold me. You know, and there was a play in the goal line against the Oregon game where he reduced inside and was able to snap on the guard, extend, shed, you know, and make a D-tackle play on the run game. So that's his range. And to top it all off, he's not bad in space. I mean, he's got – he plays hard and tough, and you see the pursuit effort. But there was, again, another play where he he zone drops a couple times and forces a contact dropped at a receiver as a flat player. You know, so his versatility, his range, his effort – his toughness uh, sold me on him. Not to mention, he tested really well. He ran a four six four, jumped thirty five inches, uh, shuttled really well. You know, kind of checked the boxes from what what you'd say maybe not being the top end athlete of the draft. So there was two guys that came to mind when I was watching him. One was Anthony Barr. You know, and I thought Anthony Barr was more of an off the ball player, a traditional kind of that what we like to call a a four three Leo or Sam. When you look at some of these old Seahawks defenses. The other player, and it's a player actually that Joe mentioned in an interview I watched, was Chandler Jones. And he uh -huh. did remind me. When you look at the long limbs, Chandler was a little stiff in his lower half coming out. You know, that long, gangly limbs, the range, the toughness he played with, the ability to work inside and outside and still play in space. Um, I really like Joe because he's a good football player. you know, And I think he's going to be a good football player in the NFL in a lot of different schemes. All right. Let's go on to number three. I, I want you to – Think about that. Hold that guy because I want to go back to him when we're done. But let's go to number three. Yeah, number three is a, a player at a, a University of Michigan, Quiddy Pay. 6024-261, really good looking, you know, thick, strong. 
Um, 33 inch arm, 70 and a half wing. So he, he's solid there. You know, he's, he's a little bit above average and, uh, you know, really with Quiddy, like the, the, probably the most explosive, um, true, you know, down defensive end lineman in the draft. You know, I thought, uh, I thought he just had tremendous get off, you know, and the speed and the violence that blend, you know, really, really helped him be effective as a rusher. I thought he rushed with urgency. You know, so you, you feel his energy and his tempo getting off the ball. He's got quick hands at the top of his rush, and he can close. I mean, he has that athleticism, that first close to finish on the quarterbacks. And, and the interesting thing that as I watched more of his tape is in, in Michigan, initially he was playing in more of that four-point, you know, what I like to call a frog stance, where you're playing in a, in a more of a, you know, a true kind of six-technique six alignment. You're more tight on the tackles. So you don't have a lot of space to work in. But there was plays where they lined him up in a, a two-point, you know, and widened his alignment. And then you saw the full blend of his uh, of his physical traits, you know, because he has the speed. And then with the speed, he can convert his speed to power, you know, which is going to force linemen to anchor down and really bite on him. And then he has those quick hands to swat and work the edge. That whole complement, you know, I think he's going to be a really explosive speed rusher in the NFL. The interesting thing when you watch the tape is, you know, he and I don't know if other teams are going to notice this. I just found him much more effective against right tackles, you know, as a left end, you know, and, and that's something that, I'm, you know, I think that teams are going to be looking at, you know, and I think he needs to play in a more of a wide alignment system, you know, because the, the, the two knocks for me on him, the two concerns I had was the reactive change of direction. You know, I thought he was a little bit segmented in his movements, which for a guy that was so explosive and linearly can run. Um, there was just some times where, you know, I thought if he was going to be playing some of these elusive quarterbacks that now we're seeing in the NFL, uh, he was going to have trouble finishing on them. You know, that was my one concern. And he's not a, he's not an overly long guy, six Oh two, four with 33 inch arms. So his speed is really going to have to take him to the ball carrying quarterback, but in the run game, he's strong. You know, he plays really square and firm, you know, he can hold at the point of attack. Uh, I didn't love his blocking scheme awareness. You know, I thought he was more reactive than he was instinctive so it's just another thing that kind of slotted him lower uh, than joe for me but listen you're going to get a twitchy explosive pass rusher um if you get you know if the team gets him on the football team i think I, I definitely could see him going in the first round do you really you think he's that that higher graded guy you know it's a little bit I, about little things about him um you know i liked how physical he was i liked his strength at the point of attack i liked but I agree with you, and I think part of it is the process the, is a product of the defense that he played in at Michigan, the style of defense that they played in at Michigan, where he it was there was no read and react. It was all they were running gaps. They were doing you know in in Don Brown's scheme, which you can't fault the player for. But I think in the I would really love to have an opportunity to work this kid out and and get a feel for that. And I'm sure that's gonna that's gonna be critical as as teams decide whether he's a first or a second round draft pick guy. I, I think you, I think you're right. Exactly right about that. Who's four or three. Where are we at? Four. We're at four. So number four is a, uh, a really talented guy. That's going to be an interesting one to dig into. Jeff is a Jalen Phillips uh, out of the university of Miami uh, via UCLA. I mean, Jalen was a five-star number one prospect in the country coming out. He's 605, 4, 260, 33 and a quarter inch arms, 80 and three quarters wing. So he's in that high end percentile from a physical perspective. Um, you know, and really just 
validated the year he had, the one year he had as Miami as a transfer with his pro day. I mean, 4.5840, 36-vert, 10.5 broad, 4.18 shuttle. I mean, he just – he really kind of set the table and set the bar from an athletic standpoint. And, you know, on tape, he had a really good year. I mean, he is definitely the most nuanced rusher out of the group. You know, he's got – He's got a whole tool bag to deploy. You know, he's got an effective jab step, you know, to run the hoop. He's got shake, you know, to freeze rushers and then has a nice little inside swim to penetrate. You know, I thought he has speed to power, you know, with that speed to power, he's got the change up spin off it. You know, when, when uh, tackles want to anchor down on him, so I think definitely from a nuance perspective, he had the most, I mean, he's a real fluid athlete. He's quick. He can run. He has strength. I mean, he really does have all the tools. He's loose hip, so he really can bend and flatten and finish on the quarterback. Thought he had a lot of range in the run game. You know, you saw him, and he and he could attack upfield and make plays in the backfield. So, from a talent perspective, I mean, this guy checks all the boxes. He could, from a talent perspective, be the number one edge player off the board. But here's the caveat with him. I mean, this guy was he 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 had him he medically retired from football. You know, leaving UCLA. You know, he sat out for a year, his freshman and sophomore year. He had multiple injuries, multiple injuries, uh, the last one being a concussion, you know, and there was some other stuff that teams are going to be looking into, you know, justify if they're going to take this guy in the first round because the talent, it's first round talent. But like you said, Jeff, when you're investing millions of dollars, you know, into a player and he medically, you know, walked away from football um, and, you know, ended up resurf resurfacing. So I, I want to give him credit for that and having a very productive year in a new in a new scenario. For me, it's hard. It was hard to, to place him above these other three because of that. You know, and that really what was where his slotting is, you know, it was because of some of that stuff that teams are going to be looking into uh, when he was at UCLA. You know, the wrist, the bad wrist that he had at UCLA, I can live with that one, right? What concerns me about this guy, and I thought he was the best player in this pool of players. Like, if you just put the tape on, this is the guy you'd say – that's the guy. So in my mind, he was the number one guy. And then I hear concussion, concussion, right? You're not talking about one. You're talking about multiple concussions that, that he decides football's not for me anymore, right? Now, granted, he came back. But boy, oh, boy, I think your neurologist, your team doctors are going to have to go through this guy with a fine-tooth comb. And if he is healthy and if he is – I mean – you, you can't you cannot deny what you see on film last year. I mean, it was impressive on tape. Like I'm talking about Miles Garrett kind of impressive on tape. You know what I mean? I mean, the, the guy was he wrecked games when he was at Miami. But what about the injuries? That's that to me, that's everything. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's an interesting point. I mean, but and and I know him and Greg didn't play together, but it just speaks to, I mean, he was a five-star. You watch his freshman tape at UCLA. He's you the best player in, yeah, best high school player in America. And then he, then he, you know, even at UCLA as a freshman, he was as good as there was in the Pac-12. Right, right. So, and that's, and that's the, that's the closed door side of the NFL. You know, that's really why teams and scouts and support personnel earn the money they earn because it's not just about the tape. I mean, this, this is an investment, you know, once you draft a player, the journey just starts and they have to be willing to take that journey. That's going to have a lot, a lot of downs prior to the ups.
And are you, do you have the ability to withstand those, you know, those turbulent parts of your career, you know, to be able to develop into what you should be in the NFL? All right. Give me your fifth guy. And then I want to talk to you about something. Number five is uh, he's a redshirt sophomore out of Georgia, Aziz Olajari. He's uh, so he's going to be more of your true edge player. He's uh, so that your three, four stand up. He's six Oh two, two, two forty nine, uh, 10 and a half inch hands, 34 and a half inch uh, arms, 82 and a half in wingspan at six Oh two, two, which is really impressive. And he had a great pro day. You know, he ran four, six, three, um, brought 10, seven, bench 26 reps, shuttled four, three, four. So, and, and really, you know, with him, he's, he's really all limbs, all arms and legs with impressive, impressive closing ability and foot speed. So he's just really another twitched up pass rusher who can really pressure OTs with his ability to get vertical. You know, the way they deployed him at Georgia is he had that ability to pressure vertically and get tackles, very working them in space. And then he's got a nice violent uh, swipe that he uses at the end. And it's interesting because he's biomechanically, he's probably a little tight in his hips. But he has unbelievable ankle strength to be able to stick his foot in the ground, flatten, and explode to the quarterback. I mean, you saw it in the bowl game. Even in a play in Alabama, you know, like he just flashed a lot on tape. So, like I said, he's a little tightly wound in his hips, but I'm not super concerned with it because of the ankle strength and his closing ability to finish. And the interesting thing about this guy is for being 249, I mean, he was violent. You know, he had to reduce inside in certain fits. And he held his own. I mean, he took on trappers just so violently being able to separate and still locate the ball. So, again, a young redshirt sophomore with tons of upside, uh, the player that just kept jumping to my mind and he's really starting to turn it on in his NFL career is Dante Fowler. You know, another guy who's just had that explosiveness, had that toughness and violence, just needs some more tools, you know, with his hands with his nuance overall as a pass rusher, but he's going to be physical in the run game. I thought for a guy that was tightly wound, his range in space was awesome. And he made plays in space, being able to close and have that foot speed. So I think he's going to be a good three, four edge prospect. I agree. I, I, if I was, if I was putting a team together and, I, and again, you know, I'd be in the three, four and this would be a guy I'd want. I would covet this guy. I love, the violence that he plays with. I love the way he's the relentlessness, the upfield. I mean, I think this kid is really, really good. And, you know, uh, again, he's a little bit of a scheme fit to me because I don't know if he can put his hand down and be a four, three end and be as effective as he would be in the three, four, especially if he has that, if he has the ability to learn where you could move him around, because this is a guy you better not put a back on. He'll, he'll, kill a back and pass okay. rush. Now, and you and I you and I talk have been ta- have been talking ball for a lot of years, right? And we always talk about production versus numbers, right? And I'm talking about height, weight, speed, numbers, right? And I heard Chris Sims say that the kid from Penn State who you don't even have in the top 5, he called him Miles Garrett 2.0. And the kid had this many sacks in his <laughs> senior year or in his last year at Penn State. Do you see that number, fans? That's a zero. Zero. Let me do it again. That's a zero. He had zero sacks. And people think 
the kid is going to be a great NFL player. Now, he may have the characteristics, but I, Spence, help me on that one. Am I, am I wrong? I mean, he's zero sacks. You put the tape on, and he doesn't make a play. I, I think it might pain you, Jeff, but when we get together and put our heads together, I could definitely see uh, Jason Owe ending up in the top 50 of our board. If, because he, he is if, a special you, say, if you say that again, I'm going to shoot myself right here on the show. <laughs> Listen, I, Zero I, I, sacks. I, I, I saw the tape too, um, and I saw somebody that was still kind of learning to use his traits to play the game. And I'm not saying that um, – he is going to go in the top 50, but he has top 50 potential. And I think that gets married with the, the coaches, you know, that's, that's, that's your defensive coordinator. That's your D line coach uh, being involved in the process and having a plan on how to develop this player because his, his explosiveness, his range, his strength, his explosive power, it is elite. I mean, it, it is elite, but you got to know how to use it, you know, which is a little bit concerning because he's at a really prolific program. And we're not talking about a non-power five player. This guy was at a program loaded with defensive players, loaded. Another player. And he made zero sacks with all those guys around him. Right now I'm, I'm with you. This kid, this kid didn't play at Rocky mountain college where you'd say, well, he probably didn't get great coaching. Penn state's an elite program, Right. I mean, that's an indictment of the program at Penn State if you take this kid into fit, top 50. It, it, to me, it is. Because what you're saying is they didn't coach him. They just threw him out there and said, go have at it, right? If they couldn't reach him, if they couldn't coach him, I know everybody thinks they got the answer with guys like this, right? But I'm telling you, I, I, I just, you can't, the tape never lies. And what it, say, what it says to me about this guy, looks great getting off the bus, but he won't be in the stat sheet. Mm. And, and I know I know, I know, know we go round, you and I go round and round about that, but I, I just, man, it's dangerous when you take a guy in the top 50 like this. Jeff, we're, we're do, you remember, do you remember Mark Mamula? Do you remember that? I don't. Of, no, I don't. Okay, there was a, he, was a, he was a Boston College kid, right? And he went to the combine and he tore the combine up, right? And he got drafted in the first round and didn't piss a drop in his NFL career because that's who he was. And everybody said, well, we'll coach him, right? I could tell you numbers of guys that we had in NFL Europe that, that got drafted high and they said, well, he'll develop or we'll coach him, you know? And I just think that that's such a slippery slope if you're, if you're an NFL team that needs production you better, you know, if you, hey, you want to draft a guy because you're, you got enough players and you can take a flyer on a guy just on his physical ability. I'm with you, but boy, if you need a, if you need help now, this ain't your guy. We're 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 previewing a conversation that probably teams are having or have had, you know, when when the two staffs come together because, you know, with 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 a with a scout, sometimes their lenses to see not the player for what they are, but what they can. But, uh, you know, what I've learned over my short career is that what they can be is only going to be married to what the uh, coaching staff has the vision and the ability for them to uh, to be. And they can't, you're right, they can't just create 
you know, you can't create something beautiful out of something that you know isn't beautiful. It's just what it is. You know, you can't. There's other analogies I can use, but they're probably not appropriate for the podcast. But it, it, it it's an interesting one because when you do watch the tape, you do see some rare things. This isn't a guy that just tests. His athleticism is apparent on the tape. It's just not effective right now. Is is the issue? So it's an interesting one to see where he goes. Hey, listen, stay with this because Spence and I we're gonna we're gonna get this is going you're gonna have a lot of fun as we get closer to the draft and we start putting our big board together. Hey Mike, put those questions up for Spence that we got, Queen, and then we gotta go and, and get to Richard, I know. There you go. Joey Joe Joe from Ireland says, would opt outs generally be how would they be viewed in the locker room, Spence? What's your opinion on that? Interesting. I always uh, the, the wisest and savviest vets that i've been around especially in the cfl um they're very respective of uh and, and really it's the nfl brotherhood of a player protecting their 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 investment their asset and their asset is their body you know and some of these guys that opt out uh they didn't opt out uh, on a whim you know they were given some indication whether it's through the nfl advisory committee whether it's through certain back channels that they will be a top pick and to protect that investment because, you know, and now we're in an age where colleges are taking out insurance policies on players, but sometimes that, that insurance policy doesn't warrant a career threatening injury. It doesn't get them to the second contract. And if you believe you're a hundred million dollar player and you know, you've had the year that Greg Rousseau had, um, you opt out and then you, and then you work through your rookie contract and try to get parlay it into that $20 million year contract I've seen for defensive linemen. So, I don't think it'll be viewed as anything but a business decision. And the NFL is a business, you know, and the players understand that. You know, it's interesting, Spence. We, we had Devon Bess on and Devon came out early with us at Hawaii and he had gotten, he had got went through that process where the advisory committee says, okay, they thought he would be a second round choice based upon his tape, but he ran a four six at the combine and ended up, you know, not being drafted. And that's, but, but again, that's, that's as you know, they, they can only project on what they see. And then you've got to produce. And that's why, again, the combine and all these other things will be continually be evaluated. These guys will be evaluated right up to, to draft day. We had one more from uh, a guy in Canada, I believe. If you could put up uh, Chuck, uh, Chuck McBride had, or had a question there. Michael, please. Mm. All right. Any thoughts on Patrick Jones from Pitt? Good one. Good one. I liked him. You know, I, I'd be interested to see it where he slots in if he kind of slides in the top fifty. But I liked his energy. I liked his strength as a rusher. I mean, he flashed. And the funny thing is, actually, when we were doing the uh, D tackle project last week, I was watching a, a teammate of his that was getting tons of hype, and he was a COVID opt out, Jalen Twyman. And I was watching Jalen's tape, and all I kept seeing is who's this number ninety one with the dreads. And then I pop on the senior tape. You know, I think he'll be an interesting prospect. I think this edge group does have a lot of, you know, as David Gettleman likes to say, thickness, you know, in those mid rounds. So you're going to see a lot of edge players come off two, three, four, you know, that was day two, early day threes. You know, there's a lot of quality and different types of skill sets. But I like Pat, you know, I, I do, I like his skills. I think there are going to be eight to 10 guys out of this group at this position that'll get drafted between the second and fifth. I really believe that it's that. As to use a Gettleman term, it is that thick, this crew. Right. Spence, outstanding job as always. Great job handling the questions. 
you better go back and, and uh, check the film again on your boy Oway. Will you please, please? Will you get that done? All right. Great job, Spencer Zimmerman. Take care, Jeff.